Hey, this is Dale Jones, and I'm being held against my will to tell you this is the Labor of Love podcast with Jason Love. Those people in the back are the other people that he's taken off of. Dale Jones, the silly, wacky, physical, rubber-faced Dale Jones, to be precise, winner of the Laughlin Comedy Contest, and a good dude on top. You love to see the good guys win. Welcome to the Labor of Love podcast. I'm your host, Jason Love. I keep saying that like I'm going to have a guest. I'm the guy talking, Jason Love, on my way home from Flappers in Burbank. Did a little spot. And then I watched the open mic in the other room. It's been a long time since I've just sat and watched it. And it can be painful if you're invested in laughing. But if you're just investigating comedy it's fascinating to watch these people who may or may not have creative ideas and are reaching for their own identity and voice and personality and there's just so much that goes into it i mean it can't only be the writing you've got to perform it you got to you got to live it out you got to connect a lot of things go into it and it uh, takes a while for people to get the hang of it I watched Mark Eddy, a very experienced comic, a a guy who's done very well for himself. He has, for example, been called to Aruba to entertain the royalty, pay him six, not six figures, five figures, and uh, comes home. I watched him in front of a small crowd in Valencia that was just not giving it up just a just a tough crowd and I don't know what happened did they announce someone's death before the show but he was struggling and sweating a bit and digging deeper and it was just good to see like even the most experienced comics in the world just like when Seinfeld did the documentary called Comedian and he started over couldn't he didn't allow himself to use any material that he had used in the past and just like everyone else, even with his name and his fame, he still had to start from scratch and bomb like everybody else. Granted, it helps when people get you immediately and have a sense of who you are and where you're coming from. I think that's the hardest thing on the open mic people tonight is in three minutes they have to convey who they are to the audience. Uh, not necessarily in words, but just in every... Like uh, Emerson said... Who you are speaks so loudly I can hardly hear what you're saying. Yeah, man. Going deep on the Labor of Love podcast. I would like to share this... I want to say this month. It should be a weekly podcast. I get to it when I get to it. All right? There are priorities, and I, and I don't always get a drive like this to, to relax into a podcast. But uh, I spent a, a week on a ship... And a week is always my request. It's very uh, rarely granted because they like you for money reasons to be there six weeks. They'd love you to be there six months if they could swing it. But it's less airfare and hotel. And it it makes sense. I get it. But once in a while, someone drops out. And uh, Johnny on the spot here, who's always sniffing around, uh, can pick one of those up. I just can't afford to be at sea for two weeks unless they have good Wi-Fi. 
then I can run my life from afar. Mostly, though, it's like dial-up. It's excruciating. Like, even downloading a photo is just... I had to start watching a movie while I was doing things to stop myself from going nuts. How did people live? How did the cavemen do it with dial-up? But I did a, a week on this ship, uh, and the only reason I got a week is because it was a try-me. They, they, when they don't know about you, they give you a week in case you suck. They don't want you <laughs> to be on the ship for two. And it was a lot of fun, the, the shows. Uh, the shows are always um, good, not great. You know, you don't leave feeling any funnier. You don't feel really safe enough to, to try out a lot of material. I picked a spot on every show. The nice thing is that there are three shows a night, most nights, so you get a lot of opportunities to pick your spots. And I wrote a song about the ship for the ship. And now uh, I've got to go back on the ship for it to be funny again. <laughs> I had a lot of time. But people always go, hey, it must be fun to go on a cruise. And now you're in the Bahamas. And now you're in Jamaica. Um, yes and no. I don't want to be cynical. I don't want to complain. But uh, it's a much different experience if you're the passenger than if you are the crew, which is what you are on most ships. Uh, some of them treat you like a passenger or a guest, and the only difference is that at night you're doing two or three shows and you're working. And other cruise ships, dare I say most, you are crew, you're staff, and it, you're reminded of it every time you go back to your cabin, especially on a try-me cruise, you get the, the um, entry-level cabin. And when I first walked in, it wasn't even clean. Like, the, all the guy's stuff was there from the last time. Not only was all of his stuff there and his snacks and his God knows what CSI crime scene on the bed, but um, all of his toiletries and, you know, there was a lot of stuff there. You know, shampoo and conditioner and bug spray and you name it. Uh, you know, stuff to wash your laundry. So uh, I took it all. Nah, I left it. I'm that kind of guy. I'm the guy you want to find your wallet. And I did. I found a wallet at a hotel, and it was a big, fat wallet. I could see the money, and I just I, I handed it. It hurt, but I did it because that's, what I, that's the golden rule. That's what I would hope somebody would do for me. And they had uh, cameras. No, I, uh, I could have gotten away with it, and I decided to, to do the right thing. And now I am just waiting for the universe to pay me back in spades. No, I'm <laughs> not. That's not spiritual at all. I gave it back because that's what you're supposed to do. <sighs> but uh, I walk into my cabin, and it's like a monk's quarters. Uh, not just humble, but very small. And it's amazing how you could get all of your needs. There, like, for instance, the bathroom. It's basically a shower and a sink and the toilet are all in the all in the shower, but if you have a curtain that has magnets on it, it protects the other stuff. And in that same amount of space, you could have a whole bathroom. It was uh, pretty amazing. It's very austere living in this case. And uh, there was just uh, room for your dial-up connection. The cot was almost like a half a bed, just enough for a body. If you were probably 6'5", you would have your legs off the inn. So uh, not a problem for me. 150-pound guy, just enough cot. It was just enough everything. 
and I started to feel, I started to enjoy the simplicity of it all, where I had enough clothes just for two shows, and I kept washing them and re-upping on them, and just enough food. See, that's the thing about cruises. People go, hey, it must be so much fun. You're up there gambling and dancing and drinking, none of which I do. It's all wasted on me. It's not just not my cup of tea. I enjoy the water slide. I like the surf machine where I broke my hand. Those things are cool, the rock climbing thing. But when I'm not with Patty, it's not like I'm up there, you know, looking for stuff to do. I like to I like to work. So what I would do is trade all that stuff in for a Wi-Fi connection. That's what I would like to do. But in my little humble quarters, I have to stow my food away like a squirrel because I, you know, it's an it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. It goes on for a quarter of a mile, and I don't want any of it because that's like I, I don't. Those people make much different choices than I would make. So even healthy things, whether it's like if you got steamed vegetables, it's steamed vegetables that taste like butter and salt. And when you've eaten like me, like a nut for so long, like an LA douchebag for as long as I have, and you eat something like that, you wake up in the middle of the night just going. Parched and and just doesn't feel right. Like it, I physically feel different and a little sick when I eat normal food. It's like when the Discovery Channel went to New Zealand and they did a special on the bushmen there who had never eaten real food and they gave them a sandwich and they threw up. That's kind of what it's like. Something in that direction. So I'm st- I had to bring a lot of food and get this fine people out there whoever you are, <laughs> mom, when I, I have to pack a lot of food because I'm going to be gone a while and I just know I'm not going to be into what they have. So my bag weighed, I think, five pounds over the 50-pound allotment. Normally, I take Southwest. It's no big deal. They forgive the overage. They'll give you a second bag, and they're free. Southwest, you rock. But I didn't book this flight. The, the airlines did. And it was, by the way, a red-eye all-nighter. Not that I'm complaining, but, uh, yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure they saved $20 by <laughs> making me stay up all night. Uh, the new guy getting hazed by the uh, travel planner. Uh, but at the American Airlines uh, check-in, I was five pounds over, and she goes, oh, that'll be $100. <laughs> I'm like, $100 extra dollars? Does the government know about this? Really? $100 extra dollars? It's crazy. It's, and, and she did it with a straight face, you know, and I'm just like, it's like if John Gotti were to run the business. Like, yeah, you can have a heavy bag, but it's going to cost you $100. Hey, Giovanni, come over here. Take this guy around back, sell him a $15 sandwich. And then, since I'm on a rant at this point, since I'm spinning out of control... I get to the... Uh, so here's what I had to do. I had to take food out of my bag and put it in my, my guitar case, which I'm going to carry on with me. But what I forgot is you can't do that because you can't take food through the checkpoint, the TSA. And I get up there and she takes my peanut butter and this other specialty food that I got at Whole Foods for like $1,000 and I had to watch her throw it away. And it hurt my soul, not only kind of projecting ahead to the week I had without uh, some of my little comfort foods, but that uh, it's so wasteful. 
and she and, and she's like, I'm sorry, this is uh, they can't have more than three ounces of peanut butter. And I'm just thinking, you know, the terrorists have one. Like, can we realize? Like, thank God, the the skies are safe from peanut butter. The the frosted tips peanut butter bandit has been stopped in his tracks. And then they do these little tests where they try to smuggle weapons across and 90% of them get across. So I'm glad that our 70, what is it? I think it's $4 billion a year we spend on the TSA. Well spent. And and this lady's doing it all with her accent. Like some people, they hide behind the accent like it's a language barrier. And it's not. I'm on to them. She understood quite well. And I just wanted to go blink. If there's a human in there that realizes the absurdity of what's happening, just blink for me. Just blink, and I'll let it go. So I did uh, smuggle some food across in my suitcase, and I put it away, and I rationed it out. And I ate some of the buffet food, but it's just not my thing. I'm from K-Pax. I'm just here for the produce. But the... um, on this ship, as on many ships for the cruise, you're in the crew cabin. And that's a new thing. They decided to save money by putting the entertainers in the crew cabins and freeing up the ones upstairs for like half-off fares and you know people who would be spending money on the ship. And I'm sure that makes economical sense, uh, but a lot of... Uh, like career cruise acts. I remember one saying, I just sleep on the decks now. I just sleep out there in the, the humid air and wake up in the break of dawn with, <laughs> with people because I just can't stand being cooped up because you're below water the whole time. And that's a, that is a little uneasy because I saw Titanic and I know what happens when the shit goes down. I've seen how the, the help was treated. You got to get up to the fifth floor, fifth deck. Of 16 decks on this uh, of this thing. So anyway, you're in the crew area, which uh, is a lot like the military. Like if military and HR had a baby, it would be the crew area. And a lot of people do walk by on their with their uniforms, and they have to justify wearing the uniforms, just like so many people in the world. In order to justify their job, they have to find stuff wrong. So I was pulled over 16 times for wearing thongs because they lost my luggage when I checked in. And uh, that's all I had. So 16 of them pulled me over. And uh, if you don't wear your name tag, they pull you over. If you carry food back to your room, which I did every night. In fact, one of the... Um, and they're all from different countries. And they all wear their flags on the chest. So it's, it's a small world after all. A lot of different accents. The police always are from the Philippines. I don't know if they got a special deal through the ship where Philippine <laughs> Filipino people got preference for for the for the police jobs, but they stopped me one night and they got real in my face about it, <laughs> like like I was carrying a bomb. So what I started doing was getting my food and putting it in my laundry bag and going back to my room. And that's because it uh, after a while you don't want to sit in the in the buffet dining area and stare at the water and eat again. You just want to watch, uh, you know, The Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise, which I had on my flash drive, thanks to my dad. Thanks, Pops. He just put a bunch more on my on my thumb drive. I've got 10 more movies. Tied me over. God knows I wasn't streaming it on dial-up, huh? And by the way, that dial-up connection is um, $20 for about... 
oh, I don't know, three hours, $20 for three hours, but two and a half of those hours, you're just watching the thing spin. I spent $140 on dial-up connection, and that's not a complaint because I did get to work and correspond. In fact, I landed a gig that was worth uh, a lot more than that, so good return on investment. I recommend it. I'm smuggling food back to my room from the buffet I'm, and, I, and they wouldn't put the bananas out. Evidently, that's a breakfast food. But for me, it's a food that if you, you put a lot of truvia on it, it's a lot like the, the experience that I was going to have with my peanut butter. I was trying to emulate that. So I, so I brought bananas back. I'd get two new bananas, and I'd stuff it in my laundry bag and go back and watch my movies. And like a, like a <laughs> serial killer all cooped up, like the, like the Unabomber or something. And the other thing about performing on a ship is that for that week, you are either going to be famous or infamous, one or the other, with the, with the audience. It's tough to come in in between. So they're either going to come up and tell you how much they loved it, or they're going to come up and uh, give you suggestions about how you might improve it. And sometimes uh, that early show, that early show, man, I don't, that very first show on this ship was raw off. And I knew that a lot of these people didn't speak English, and a lot of them were over 100. I don't know. They were up there. It's like Don Friesen's line. He goes, I kept hearing how these people on the ship wanted to see Alaska before they died. Uh, a lot of them were cutting a little close. So that first ship, that first show was really rough, but all the other ones were uh, at least B- and above in terms of the quality of the experience. And then a couple of A shows where it felt like a comedy club. Everybody spoke the same language, and we're all having a good time, and there wasn't any weirdness. Like sometimes you just get that inexplicable weirdness in the room. You just want to fl- throw a flag like, unnecessary weirdness on everybody. What the, f- what the hell? What's going on? And all the shows had to be clean uh, on this particular ship, even though there was a late show where the other comic was cursing. Um, the, the, my group, my agent, asked me to keep it clean. So that's kind of a, an uphill battle sometimes, too. Uh, even though I work clean all the time, I can still I can spice it up when I need to. You know, you know how we do. But uh, by the end of that week, <clears throat> it's, uh, you're ready to get off that ship, man. And then, they, and then they process you, and you're being processed with the cook and the chef. And you got that Filipino lady with all the stripes on her shirt, and she's just got that stamp. You know, that thing that all you need is that stamp on your little piece of paper so you could get the hell off the ship and get into that steamy Miami, you know, line for an Uber car. And she was just lording it over us. I mean, she was inspecting the chef had a key to something. And she's like, this isn't this key. And then she got a gun. She called somebody on the phone. While I'm sitting there, my bag has already been inspected. They go through your bag in front of you, by the way, in case you want to smuggle drugs and have the Midnight Express experience. Um, He went through it right in front of me. All I needed was the stamp. I could have done the stamp. And she knew it. Oh, she knew it. She lorded it over me. And finally, another guy who had equal number of stripes on his little toll booth power trip shirt came over and said, oh, is this all you need? Oh, stamped it. And then I could go. I, w- I literally waited there 15 minutes before he recognized the, the situation. So when you travel, you could, you could uh, become embittered by all of these little 
uh, moments, I guess, like the TSA confiscating my peanut butter and the John Gotti trying to charge $100 for five pounds of overage and the lady with the stamp and just getting off the ship on this particular cruise line that I'm not going to mention in case I want to work on it again. They, um, the, they, they process the entertainment and the staff after everybody, all 5,000 passengers have gotten off the ship. And in that time, they have you in a holding area with no, uh, you can't, there's no Wi-Fi, there's no, you can't text, you can't do anything, but sit there and just, you know, wait for it to, to be through. I was playing the happy game, um, going to my happy place. But uh, once you get off that cruise, it feels so good to be home for me. Now, some guys make their living at it. I was talking to guys like the jazz guy. He goes, yeah, I've been on the ship since June. I'm like, are you kidding me? Holy cow. I mean, I've only done uh, a limited amount of cruises, and I don't even get off to see the places. Like, it's... Uh, you know, to I, I got off this. Uh, there were three stops, all of them in the Caribbean, and I got off at, in the Bahamas because I needed something. Because I needed my my sunglasses repaired. If it weren't for that, I'm not sure I would have. If Patty were there, yeah. And uh, if Patty were there, it would be a really long trip because we'd be doing tourist things in the day. And then by night, I'm doing three shows and laundry and smuggling food back to my room. The one highlight I will share is that uh, the shows were the highlight. I, I'd enjoyed that. But the, uh, the non-show highlight would be they uh, had a celebrity dance competition, like Dancing with the Stars. But the celebrities were the staff of the ship, the crew guys, uh, like the, the guys that go, like the, the skipper, who's the head of entertainment, forget his name. And uh, I got to judge it with the uh, another the comedian and the the company director and it was fun you got to we, it, was, it was our job to just come up with funny observations about what was happening and, <laughs> and there were so many things you just had to had to choose one and go with it and there were probably a thousand people watching i mean upstairs and down and you know 20 people deep trying to look over each other's shoulders it's a big deal on the cruise ships people were trying to get it in trying to get away from their lives that's why they call these ships like the escape and the getaway and the breakout and <laughs> and just forget about it the calgon ship take me away and now i'm back home and really working hard so that um when i do these cruise ships it's just to kind of make ends meet here and there as opposed to relying on them to you know for uh for my income because that would, that would be a difficult life. Uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Smell you later.